There's a verse in Psalms. I'm not exactly sure the, the reference, so don't, don't uh, shoot me on that. But um, David's basically saying that he's feeling the heaviness of despair. And he's feeling the heaviness of life and of, of stuff just coming into his life and just weighing him down. And he's feeling just the weight of sin and shame and condemnation and, and the expectations of people. And he's, he's feeling the, the voice of the enemy to speaking to him and saying, like, you're not good enough. You're not going to, you've done too much. You've gone too far. You're, 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 you're not, you're not going to make it. And so uh, there's a verse in there that basically more or less says, and this is Michael's translation, uh, I'm Michael, by the way. Uh, this is Michael's translation that says, um, you know, I'm going to keep singing until the heaviness falls off. And like, I, I love that because like what Thomas was saying a second ago, uh, a lot of times we just kind of like let things hit us. We kind of let things get on us and let things stick around. We let, we let that voice of the enemy kind of stick in our ear whenever God's called us what? He's called us free, right? In Christ, we have freedom. Can we agree with that? And if y'all are going to be here this morning in this church, you will have to wake up because I'm going to start drop-kicking some stuff. So listen, listen, we love Jesus. We love what he's done. We love what God's done through his son. And if it's your first time here this morning, I just want to welcome you because, um, and I want to tell you, God is doing something in the life of this church. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I don't actually know what it is. I'm kind of holding on to the code of this code a little bit, saying like, I want to go wherever you're going, Lord. Wherever you're going, that's where I want to be at. Um, last week, if you were here, that was pretty awesome, right? If you weren't, like last week, we felt the, the tangible presence of the Holy Spirit in this place this, in last week. And, and, and the thing is, that is the new norm. That is what's normal for, for Jesus to do in our presence. And last week, three people got saved. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's why we do what we do. That's why we come here. That's why we meet. Um, and I'm so excited about what God's doing because he's moving in people's lives. as He's always done in Scripture. And, and what I'm learning is that and what I've seen firsthand this past week is that the that the that is this prayer that's going to allow that to keep habits of prayer. And it's the only way that we're going to get back to being the church where that's being driven by the Holy Spirit. And that's what I that's what I want. That's what I want us to want because in prayer is going to be the only way that we experience His presence on a daily, weekly, hour by hour, minute by minute basis. Being in prayer with Him. That's why Paul told the Thessalonians, "Pray without ceasing." Pray without ceasing. Be in, the, be in the presence of God without ceasing. If there's something in your life that's keeping you out of the presence of God, get it out your life. That, that's, that's what the scripture says. And so we want to ask you as, as, as the body, we're all the body, we want to ask you to partner with us as a church. If, if you don't have a church home, we would love for you to make this your church home. If you go to another church, go back there and, and start that there. Get it, because we're all one team here. We're all going seeking after the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We're seeking his kingdom and his way and his will. We want to ask you to partner with our church, with our city, and as we pray for our city, as we pray for the vision that God's given our church to see people reach with the gospel, with people to come alive in Christ, people who have said for 20 years, oh, I'm saved, well, you don't have, we have not seen any fruit to come alive and say, listen, I never knew Jesus was like this. I never knew who he was until he opened up my heart and, and opened up my eyes and, and made me see who he truly is. And he's the savior of the world, savior of every soul that says yes to him. And last week, I really believe that God was trying to ignite our house. He was trying to ignite our house, trying to wake us up, trying to get a spark, a spark in somebody's heart to wake them up. Because what I know is that church is not meant to be a place where we come in and we just sit and warm a seat. Right? Right? 
Okay, we're, we're tracking. Okay, good. Because what I know is he's trying to get us into this new way of thinking. But in reality, it's not a new way of thinking because if you look in Acts, that's how the church thought. God, what are you saying? Okay, here I go. You listen and you, you're responding. And what I love about that is this is how it works. We get a glimpse into what and into the gospel. We see the gospel. God, and God always does this and aggravates me sometimes. I have like these 30 seconds of cl- absolute clarity sometimes. Anybody, y'all? It's like, I, I get it. Wow, I get it. And then 30 seconds later, it's gone. And I got to dig some more. And I think he does that to give us some encouragement. And what he does is he gives us these glimpses of the gospel, what the gospel is, what Jesus came to do, like the, the spiritual part, what he came to do in my heart, not what he came to do in a church service, what he came to do in my heart to see me come alive for who he's calling me to be. And he gives us that glimpse. And what I'm meant to do when I get that glimpse is what? Respond. Like so many times the church has gotten so used to conviction. We go to a, hear a sermon or we listen to a sermon online and we're like, man, that was good. Man, that convicted me, bro. That was like, that cut me to the heart. Where are we going for lunch? You know, it's, and, that, and we get comfortable. We get comfortable in our convictions. But conviction is like a hot stove. When I was a little boy, I saw this red hot stove. I was like, that's pretty. I want to touch it. And I went over and touched it. Guess what happened? I got burned. I got, some, I got a bad scar. And listen, what, and the, and I'm, the, the, the burn, the, the feeling of pain was meant for me to move my hand away from that stove. Just like conviction is meant for us to move away from the things that's taking us away from God and burning us away from His presence. And listen, this morning, that's what He's calling us to do is to respond. And so church for so long has been about a bit of observing instead of participating. We come in the place and we're like, play me a song, Thomas. I like that song. Let's play that one again next week. Play me a, I didn't really like that song. You know, if, if that's us this morning, I'm here to just to give you some bad news. None of this music we play here is for you or about you or about me or about anybody else that comes into our church. It's about the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It's about his name being raised and lifted high. And that's what it's about. And listen, it's not about oh, that sermon was a, listen, this is the word. And I pray that any words spoken out of my mouth come straight from here and will go straight to our hearts this morning. That God would speak to us in a way that he never has. And like, and what this has done what this has done is it's created in our churches across America and the world, it's created this consumerism mindset where I come in and I, I want something. So you're, you're providing a service, pastor, so provide me, a, give me what I need. Give me the word that I need this week or this week or this week. And then I go out and I do my life and I come back for my word the next week. And so many times it's not, I just need y'all to know that it's not about that. This word's supposed to penetrate our heart, not just on Sunday morning when a pastor, any pastor is reading scripture or teaching out of scripture, but when you're reading alone in your, in your bedroom, when you're reading scripture and saying, Holy Spirit, speak through these pages. He's going to say, you know what? You see that scripture you just read? It's going to jump off the page at you. Well, the reason it's jumping off the page at you is because I want you to change your life based off of the scripture. That's what he's calling us to do in, in our time alone with him. And unless we respond to his moving, we can't fully participate in what he's doing around us. And I don't know about you guys, but I want to be like the people I read about in Acts. I want to be fired up for the gospel. I want to pray in the room shakes. I want to see people like released from bondage and from addictions and, and healed from the diseases and, and for, the, for the Lord to be praised in all the, every single inch of the city. But unless we respond to what he's calling us to in the scripture, we cannot do that. We cannot participate in that. And I really think God last week was giving us a glimpse. Just a, just a he pulled the curtain back a little bit. Just a glimpse of what he's trying to do. And I think God is trying to tear down strongholds. And I was sitting here listening this morning. As I walked in, I came in a little late. And, I, and last week we were praying, our prayer team was praying. As I walked in, and this is just me, I felt just a spirit of heaviness. 
I just felt heaviness on me. And like, I'm like, what is that, God? Why, what, what's, where's the heaviness coming from? And I think what it is is people are walking around with things they're not meant to be walking around with. Strongholds and, and things they've allowed themselves to be involved in and, and relationships they've allowed themselves to stay in and, and addictions they've allowed themselves to be to cover up and to, and to, and to stick in and, and, to, and, and just that the, the false premise of I'm a Christian but I don't really have to walk that way. I can just make my own rules and be saved when I, get, when I die. And that's not what it's meant to be. But he, God is wanting to tear down those strongholds that the enemy, Satan, has, been, has put in people's hearts for a long time time. And I'm not talking about in your lifetime. I'm talking about the strongholds that's been passed down to you. Listen, the, the strongholds. And for a long time, he's wanting to, he's wanting to remove that old man, that old man mindset and the mentality that's been crippling the church for a long time. The old man mindset of who you were before you came to Jesus. Because what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, it says, if anyone who is in Christ is what? A new creation. That means your brain, that means you're new. That means the, the old man is gone, the new man has come. And if you look at the Greek, it's the old man is dead, is what it says. The old man is dead, the new man has come alive. And the reason God made a new man is because it's a testimony to the world about look what God has done in this person's life. Because I know some people right now in my life who God has changed, and I'm like, bro, I need, to, I need to check on this. I need to do an FBI investigation on this right here to make sure, if you don't watch the news, you didn't get that. But I need to... I need to investigate and see if this right here is legit because I know who you once were and who you're claiming to be now. I don't know if I trust that or not, bro. Listen, but God is doing, that's what he's about. That's what he's in the business of doing. But the problem is the devil, Satan himself has been lying to people in church. Sitting in here on Sunday morning, Satan's been lying to people. In here, in this room, even today. And that's been keeping people from responding to the voice of God. It might be money. Well, that person, all he talks about money. He just want to give money to church. I've been hurt by the church. Well, it might be your ex-boyfriend or girlfriend's in the church. I ain't going to that church because I know what they did or he, he did or she did. That person that comes to church, it might be anything. Satan wants to lie to you about to keep you from these doors. And this morning, we're going to be jumping into the book of Galatians in chapter 5. You know what it's talking about? It's talking about freedom. Freedom. This morning, I don't know where you're at. But I promise you, there's a smidgen of your heart that needs to be set free from something. We all do. I do. As I was praying, God was pointing things out. I'm like, God, well, let's, let's take it one thing at a time. Like, like this morning's message, guys, is for anyone who's in here this morning that's felt like they've been in a fight this week. Anybody? Um, I've been in a fight. Like, I'm, I'm wore out. Some of you have felt like you've been winning, which is great. Hallelujah. Let's give some high fives after the service. But there's also people here here this morning who felt all week like you're losing the battle. Like you're, you're just getting beat up and you feel like you got a black spiritual black eye and a spiritual broken arm because you've just been beat up. It's, and a lot of us in here have been trying to hold it together and look like we're okay. I got it together. I got it, right? Listen, my week after Sunday last week, the enemy has been after my butt all week. But let me tell you, like I felt, I told somebody this morning, I felt like it's been two weeks since we met last time because it's been so long. My son um, Braxton, he's eight weeks old, got put in the hospital for two days this week, and I'm like, what's happening? Like I, I've been, I've been struggling all week long with my thoughts. The enemy's been trying to get me all week long into thinking something that's not true. And as I read this scripture, I'm going to read today. It set me free from a lot of that, right? That's, that's, what it, that's what scripture does. It, it pours truth into your heart. And what, it, what, what does truth do? It sets you free. Right? Truth sets you free. A lot of us in this room have been battling. That, that's, that's, there's been a battle that's been going on between your head 
what you know in Scripture than what you feel in your heart. There's a battle that's been going on. And this is what it looks like. You know, when you read God's word, we, you know that I've been accepted by God through Jesus. Thank, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. But when we, we spent all week long comparing ourselves to other people. We, are we guilty? Of, uh, yes, I am. We, we know that grace is ours in Christ, but we walk around feeling condemned. Romans 8 said there's no condemnation. The, the, the condemnation that you're feeling is not right. No condemnation, that means there's freedom. Now there's conviction. If God's convicting you, that means, remember, there's the, your hands on the stove, take it off. But condemnation, you're not supposed to feel that. That's not, you are no longer in condemnation. And for some of us, we know the word says, I've been saved by grace, thank you, Jesus. But all week we, found, we felt bound, felt bound. We felt bound by these rules and these, and these regulations and these things that, that I have to do to get us back to God. And some of you have believed the lie this morning that the grace of God through Jesus is not enough for you. It might be enough for the person sitting next to you or for the person preaching on stage, but it's not enough for you. Some of you might believe that. That's not true either. That's not true. The, you may have said the relationship with God just not enough, or, or maybe I got, I got to add something here or there to get this relationship with God to where it needs to be before I'm feeling like it's working, where it's, where it's working for me. Or maybe the good that I've been doing is not outweighing the bad. And that's wrong. That's religion. That's legalism. That's wrong. And this is, if this is you today, you know, you're missing it, guys. You're, if this is you, you're missing it. If you, can, if you can define, then listen to this, listen to this. If you can define your relationship with God, if you can define your faith as one big guilt trip after the other, where you can't seem to get it right, you're missing it. Okay? Like if, you, if that's what you're feeling like, your relationship with God, guilt trip, guilt trip, guilt trip. I'm missing it. I can't get enough. I'm not enough. I can't get here. I can't read my Bible enough. I don't do this enough. I can't do this enough. You're missing it because that's not what it's about. Because if, if we have the wrong perspective of who God is, we'll always have a wrong perspective of what our relationship with God is. Because if we look at him as, the, as a harsh judge that's going to drop the hammer at any moment, that's, there's no love in that relationship. But if we look at him as a loving father who wants the best for us, then that's going to be a relationship that's motivated and compelled, like Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians, or I think, where it says the, the love of Christ compels us, moves us forward, moves us forward in life. That's why we do what we do, because of the love of Christ. And so listen, Galatians 1, or Galatians 5, verse 1. We're going to read this together. I'm going to pray, and we're going to do this. Father God, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done on the cross. Through your son, I pray, God, that you would come in this place. Your Holy Spirit would fall. God, change would fall off people. God, hearts would be renewed. God, that you would just save a soul here this morning, God, that is depending on anything besides you for salvation. God, we love you. God, we love you. We praise your name. God, we praise you for all that you're doing, all that you're going to do, Father. We just ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Galatians 5, verse 1, it says this, okay? It says, it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. It's for freedom that Christ has set you free from those lies that I just told you about. It's for freedom's sake that Christ has set you free from those things. This means when we're standing firm, we're standing firm, we're standing firm, you know, we need to understand that we are, we are holding on. There's a freeness that comes to us in Christ. And I'm going to read the whole thing of verse 1. It says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Stand firm. Chapter 5, verse 1 says, Stand firm. 
What does that look like to your, in your life? I know when I said it, there's a mental image that comes in somehow. It might be a military thing. It might be, I don't know what it is. It says stand firm. And it is a military term in the Greek. It's a military term. And it's saying fight to stay in the faith. Fight for your faith. Fight for it. But a lot of times, Christians, what do we do? We're passive. We let the, we let the enemy roll over us like, like nothing. Like, yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm no good. Yep, she's prettier than me. Yep, he's cooler than I am. He probably gives more to the church than I do. He, he serves more than me. You know, it, it, We let those lies just roll in on us. Roll in on us. And that's wrong. It says stand firm that you don't let yourselves be burdened again by, the, by a yoke of slavery. And Paul's saying at the times, as Christians, we're going to have the enemy come up and get in our face, get in our grill a little bit, and we're going to need to stand firm in his face and say, look, bro, no, that's not what Scripture says. I have power in the name of Jesus to stand up to you right now. That's what's happening. That's what we need to do. Through Jesus, we're able to do that apart from him or not. So coming up, he's going to get in our face, but we need to stand firm and never back down. The price, this is it. You know this to be true. The price for not standing firm based on this Scripture is what? A yoke of slavery, right? The price of not standing firm in our faith is a yoke of slavery. And, and I'm going to tell you, I know for a fact there's people in here this morning that are walking around with a yoke of slavery on their backs because that's why you come and worship and you look bored. That's why you, you, whenever I say, how are you doing, you look at the ground and kick rocks. You know, listen, listen joy is something that is supposed, to, is supposed to describe a believer in Christ, someone who's walking and full of Jesus. Joy, joy, love. Slavery was never meant to be in, that, in there anywhere. No, you weren't saved to be enslaved to anything. You were saved to be free, to be free, to be who God's called you to be. And this means standing firm, that we have a freeness that comes from being in a relationship with Jesus and our standing before God because of Jesus is, is, is because of Jesus alone, guys. The reason that we're able to stand before God confident and unashamed, like it says in 1 John, is because of Jesus. You try to stand in front of God without Jesus, there's no confidence and there's a lot of shame. Can I agree? Can you agree with that? You stand before God without Jesus, that's a bad day for you, okay? And listen, Jesus, this is a good equation. Jesus plus nothing always equals everything, right? Jesus plus nothing equals everything because Jesus is everything to us in when it comes to our relationship with God. And then, listen, it, it equals everything. You don't need to do anything else to have a right standing with God except being in a right relationship with Jesus. All the things that you do and are compelled to do in your relationship with God is compelled from a love relationship with Jesus because Jesus in you is going to change your heart and put you into a place where you're doing the things that you've been trying to check off the box in your own human effort and haven't been able to do and you've been getting burned out with because it hasn't been done with the right heart because it hasn't been done with the motivation of Jesus coming out of us. It's been done with Jesus, I, thank you for saving me. I, I will do the stuff for you and I'll be right back. You can do the stuff and you come back. But Jesus said, I want to do this stuff with you. I want, I want the stuff to be done in relationship with me. Like Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And every single day, guys, we fight to remind ourselves of the truth that we are in a battle that is beyond the physical. If you think that you're not in a spiritual battle, you've already lost. If you think you're not in a spiritual battle, you, 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 we need to be educated, okay? Because listen, we are in a spiritual war. And if you want to hear about spiritual warfare, come back next week. That's what we're talking about in Ephesians 6, spiritual warfare, because that's what we're in. If you're a believer in Christ, you're in a war. If you're not being, if you're not being hammered, if you're not being fought, if there's no, if there's no uh, resistance in your life, 
It probably means you're not being very effective for the kingdom. Because when you become effective for the kingdom, when you get in the game, Satan wants to take you out of the game. When you're not in the game, Satan's like, all right, go on. You're actually, you're actually helping me more than I can even do with it. You're actually helping me destroy the kingdom. Go ahead. You know, so he leaves you alone. He, that, and that's what the problem is. That's the problem with Christians today is that, and I've said this before, is the reason that there's so many people who are atheists who think Christians are jokes is because you have a bunch of people who are professing Jesus but look nothing like him. Right? And like, listen, he's called us to look like him. And the way that we're able to do that is to understand the freedom that we have in Christ. Like, listen, we're in a spiritual battle, and the price we pay for losing is a living a life of slavery, even as Christians. You can be a Christian and still be in slavery. Right? You can walk into it. I'm not talking about a slavery that sends you to hell. I'm talking about a slavery that wears your butt out your entire life. And you get to heaven, and you're like, well, Dang it, I, I, I could have done something about this. <laughs> Listen, yeah, the, the, the prize, the prize for, for standing firm, though, guys, is freedom. Freedom. Like, who, who, who enjoys the concept of freedom? Three or four people? All right, good. America, you know what I mean? We all like freedom, right? Good. All right, three people. So today, I want to start from a place of saying that Paul is speaking to followers of Jesus in Galatia. He's not talking to non-believers. He's talking to people who said, I believe in Jesus. I've turned my life over to him. He's my savior and Lord and all that stuff. I'm, that's my man, okay? He's, we're on there. And that's where we're at. But when, and, and, and you might be able to write to me. Let me start something, another thought here. Um, my mom and my dad, uh, I, whenever I was young, I used to think they were strict. But now looking back, I'm like, no, they were just good parents. Right, so, and so, like, you know, like, like looking back, I'm like, yeah, they're just good parents. And whenever I would get in trouble, and I got in trouble a lot, dude. I got hurt a lot. I hurt my brother and sister a lot just because I was crazy and I was just a wild little boy, and I was all boy. And I, and whenever my mom would yell, Michael Allen Page from the other room or from around the house, I knew that I needed to find a good hiding spot, or I needed to face the music and say, yes, ma'am. I wanted to do that before my dad got home because my dad would always give harder spankings, right? We all know, everybody knows y'all been there, okay? And so listen, this is, this, is the, this is the thought process I want you to remember this morning. And, and as we start reading Galatians, this is the tone that Paul is using towards the Galatian church. He's mad. He's not, he's not happy. He's not even a little irritated. He's mad at the Galatians. He's mad. He's angry. They, they were being led astray by this false gospel where the Jews were claiming the Gentile believers must be circumcised and keep the Mosaic law to be saved. Basically, they were adding something to the gospel to be saved. And Paul's like, nah, nope, that's not right. You can look at some of these, look at how he talks in, in the Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. This, this is the language that he uses to him. He says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. He's being sarcastic, just in case none of you are sarcastic in this room. I am. This is a sarcastic comment. I would just like to learn one thing from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law? Or did you receive, or, did, or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? He's mad. 
But listen, I can, I, can, I can read this and get behind Paul and be like, yeah, Paul, get him. But listen, how many times do I step into the realm of the flesh and start living by the rules and start living by, by the law and start living by the check boxes that I'm trying to do to get back to God and not depending on the, on the spirit that I receive just by believing and having faith in Jesus? Are we all guilty of that or is it just me? We all are. Like we all go back into that realm. And he's mad, but he's what he's saying. The Jews were trying to put a yoke of slavery on the Gentiles that the Jews hadn't been able to keep for all eternity. The Jews hadn't been able to keep the law, but they were trying to put that yoke of slavery on the Gentiles, the new believers who were coming into faith because of Jesus. Look at Acts chapter 15. You can write this down and read it later. I'm going to have it on the screen for you. Acts chapter 15. This is him talking about, this is, this is the actual occurrence in Acts that's talking about in Galatians. In Galatians. It says, certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised according to the customs taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. That's what they were telling the Gentiles. Well, let's look at Peter, Paul, and Barnabas' response. Here we go. God, who knows the heart, this is in chapter 15, verses 8 through 11. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them, the Gentiles, by giving them the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what? A deposit. It's a sign of you having a relationship with Jesus. It's the fruit. By giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. The Gentiles are no less than you are. We're all the same is what it's saying. He did, so, he did not discriminate between them and us, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on their necks, of Gent the necks of Gentile, a yoke that neither our ancestors nor have we been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. Thank God, right? That's awesome. So Paul was serious. He wasn't playing no games. He's not playing around. And so we're going to pick it up in verse 1 of chapter 5. We're going to go, Lord willing, through 12 verses really quick. Today, what we're going to do is I want to read a little bit. I'm going to talk a little bit, read a little bit, and talk a little bit. I want to go verse by verse and show you what Paul's doing here, Okay. So Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, again, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Again is an important word in there. Circle it. What that means is don't go back. Again means you were enslaved. Now it means you're not, but don't go back to the yoke of slavery. Don't go back. Don't do that. Stand firm. Okay, got that. So basically, guys, what it's saying is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And what I want to do is I want to look at this sentence and I want to show you that there's some sentences in the Bible that if you'll get it, if you'll really wrap your mind around it and allow your heart to be open to it and not be distracted or turned off by this, by our flesh, if you get it, it will change your life. If you get it, it will change your life. And this is one of them, this sentence right here, it'll change your life. And so what I want to do is I want to explain this backwards, right? This verse, it says, it's for freedom's sake that Christ has set us free. So the, 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 the fact is, if you're a Christian, you've been set free. Can we agree with that? Based on that scripture, you've been set free. Why have you been set free? The first part of that said is, it's for freedom's sake that you've been set free. Well, that gets kind of confusing, right? I mean, it's for freedom's sake. I've been set free for freedom. That didn't make sense to me really, right? That, that's kind of confusing. But what I want to do is I want to show you and I want you to see that, you know, you've been set free for freedom, but also to freedom. You've been set free for a purpose and to a purpose. You haven't been set free just to go do whatever you want to do. You've been set free to be who you've been created to be in Christ, 
to do the things God has created you to do before the beginning and before the creation of the world. You've been set free to not be guilty or not be condemned or not live in sin, not find yourself stuck in this or that, or not be, not be tied down by these false pretenses of what's going to fulfill me. You've been set free from those things. But I think there's two things important that we need to understand that we've been set free from if we're going to have a successful relationship with Jesus. Because what I want in this room is to send out 100 people into our community who's been set free by the blood of the Lamb and the gospel of Jesus Christ to go and affect a city for the kingdom. That's what I want to see. That's my heart in this. And it's this. The first thing he sets you free from is religion. Religion. About steples and toes, religion, religion, guys, is that's what Jesus came to destroy in case you haven't read the Gospels, religion. He didn't come to set up a religion because I don't call Christianity a religion. I don't do that. We can debate about that later, but I don't call Christianity religion. I call Christianity a way of life, a movement, something that God has come to change hearts and minds and lives to see the kingdom push forward. And, and you look at religion, we got a definition for you, religion. This is what it looks like. <clears throat> religion, we got that? We got that. My man. Religion is man's attempt to appease God and earn his favor by working hard enough or being good enough. And I just want to put this to bed for you this morning. You'll never be good enough. You'll never be able to work hard enough. You don't have it in you. But what's the good news about this is, is the only person that has ever been good enough and has ever been able to work hard enough has come, lived the perfect life for me and died and rose again so that I don't have to do that. That's the good news of the gospel. And that's why we have freedom in Christ by resting in the gospel. But our minds say, work, 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 work. Some of us in here this morning look at that definition. You're like, nah, yes, yeah, that's pretty good, right? That's exactly what religion is. Yeah, that looks good. Isn't that what we believe? Nope, it's not what we believe. It's not what we believe. So we've been set free from religion. Religion is, is passionless. It's empty. It's emotionless. I'm going to do these things to get here. It's emotionless. There's no, there's no joy in it. There's no life in it. There's no life. There's no passion. That's why we see people stuck in religion, bored in worship. Because if I'm worshiping the king of kings, let me tell you this. When you get to heaven, if you stand before God, the way you stand before him in worship, there's going to be some, some, some uh, things that aren't very consistent. Does that make sense? You're not going to be, stand, be able to stand before Jesus, the, 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 the slain Savior of the world, on your feet. The Bible says you're going to be on your face. Every time somebody comes in contact with an angel in the Bible, it says they fell on the ground as though dead, is what it says. And that's an angel. Wait, before you, wait until you see Jesus the one who came and lived and died for you. That's the person we worship every week. That's the person we stand here and worship every week. That's the person we, 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 we die to, to live like and for in connect groups. I want to live like this man. I want to be like this person. I want to live my life like him, and I want him to live through me so I can see the fruit of what he's told me, that would, the fruit that would be in Scripture. And if we're not, then what, can we, what are we doing? Last week, we, we had some people set free from this. We had three people go from death to life. They're positionally changed for eternity. That's good news. 
Eternity. And that's what happens when you come into a relationship with Jesus. He changes your position. You were dead. Ephesians 2 says you, I, you once were dead in your sin. But now God, because he's good and he loves you, he's, he's raised you to life in Christ. That's good. That's good news. That's the gospel. And that's what should ignite us. That's what should ignite us. And the second thing he's, he's moved us away from and freedom for is fear. Fear motivated change. I got to change or God's going to get me. I got to change or God's not going to bless me. The, the reason so many of us are trying to be better, we're trying not to do these things, we're trying to do these things, it's all motivated by fear if we, if we get down to it. It's motivated by fear. If I don't do this, if I don't go here, if I don't say this, if I don't do this, God's going to get me and I don't want to go to hell, so I, I, I do this stuff so I, can get, so I can get to heaven. And that's where we're at. That's what religion teaches us. And listen, guys, if you're here this morning and you've been faking it for a very long time, I'm gonna tell you, stop. Stop trying to prove outwardly what's not true inwardly. Stop trying to prove outwardly what's not true in here. Because if what's true in here is true, it's gonna work its way out of you here. It's gonna work its way out. So stop playing those games. If God hasn't changed your heart, no amount of effort or energy or doing is going to get you to the place where you're trying to get. What it's going to do is it's going to get you to heaven really tired and really anticlimactic. It's what it's going to do. And what I want you to see this morning, guys, spiritually speaking, Galatians 4, Ephesians 2, it tells me that I once was dead. I was dead. That doesn't mean, I've heard some preachers say, God threw a life raft to us and we got it. And no, dead means I'm down in the water and I'm blue. Like I'm, I'm dead, right? I can't move. I can't swim. I was dead. God breathed life into me and resuscitated my spirit to bring new life into me. The reason I don't do these things or do do these things or walk this way or say these things has nothing to do with me trying to gain a position because I've already gained that position through Jesus, through my belief and my passion and my faith in him. Everything I do is meant to be a response to him. A response, that's it. Not a work to get to something. And that's what he's telling the Galatians here. He says, mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will have no value to you at all. Circumcision is religion. Doing, saying, going, being, this, 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 this. If you let yourself fall under religion, I'm going to do this to get here. Christ has no value to you at all is what it says. What it's saying is you're going back to works to get you to heaven. I'm going to do this. He says, again, I declare to you, every man who lets himself be circumcised, that he is obligated to obey the whole law. Listen to this. If you're going to sit here, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be good. I'm not going to lie this week. I'm not going to commit murder this week, although I want to. But I, I'm going to let this kind of go here. I'm going to, <clears throat> I'm going to let my, my deceitfulness and my Marriage kind of go, <clears throat> lose my voice, sorry. I'm gonna let all this stuff go. Like, I'm gonna do them, I'm gonna focus on this, but not necessarily on this. Like what he's saying is like, you're obligated, you're obligated to fulfill the entire law apart from Christ. Who wants to do that? That's a lot. That's a lot. That's like me, that's like the whole weight of God weighing on you. And that's not what we're supposed to do. What is what he's saying? You're trying to be justified by the law, 
You've been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. He's not saying you lost your salvation. He's saying you're not getting it. You're losing it. For the other spirit, we for through the spirit we eagerly wait by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor circumcision, non-circumcision matter has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Now, what that looks like. Whenever I was 20, 20 years ago, I guess by now, <clears throat> at one point I, I was dead in my sins, but Christ raised me to life through Christ, through, through, his, through his sacrifice. He's, he's blessed me with spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. I've been chosen, I've been adopted, I've been forgiven, I've been free. And this morning, if you're, a, if you're a Christian, if you're somebody who says, I'm a believer in Jesus and I, and I walk by faith, not by sight, I'm in Christ, that means that's true of you too. That's what that means. So that means we need to start living like it. My freedom, guys, I've already told you, it's positional. Nothing I can do can take it away. I, I didn't earn it, so I can't, I can't lose it by something that I do. That's what it says in Scripture. So listen this morning. A lot of times as, as religious, legalistic Christians, we like to take a lot of credit for our salvation. I was saved when I was eight years old. Our, our testimonies we tell at these different camps and these different, these different outings we go to are always all about what decision that I made, right? I, I made this decision when I was eight. I did this when I was 10. I, I got baptized and I led somebody to Christ. I rededicated my life to Christ seven times, right? I've, right, we've been there. I, I, we we like to take too much credit, guys, but scripture tells us that we couldn't even conjure up the thoughts of needing Christ without God revealing it to us. Couldn't even, couldn't even bring it up in our minds. Literally, our only part in our salvation is the response. And I think today, the word for the day is response. Response, respond to him. You might say, well, I walked in aisle. I walked in there and prayed with their pastor and I did this and I prayed. And I would say you were saved in your seat and God revealed to you your sin. Your aisle walking was a response to what God did in your seat. So what I want to say this morning is freedom happened in you apart from anything you could do or possibly do. If you're a Christian, if you're not, this is not true. If you're not a believer in Jesus this morning, I'm not saying, oh, I believe in Jesus or I believe this guy's shirt's red. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you believe in him so much that it changes your actions because you see him for who he is, you see his love for you on the cross, and you say, I can't do anything but love this man and do what he's called me to do. I can't do anything but give him my time. I can't do anything but give him my, my finances, my family, my whole life. I can't do anything but that because he's loved me so much. It means we're done striving. That's what freedom means. We're done striving for our salvation because we've already attained it. Nothing we can do now or in the future can bring it. And that's what I love about sanctification. I love that about sanctification is like, and this is what shoots the whole performance mentality down. Like at the moment of salvation, you've been justified. Justified means God looks at you and say, you're in. You, I, I, Jesus has died for you. You are, you are a Christian. You're a follower. At the end of your life, you will be living in eternity with me. He looks at you. Justi justified means you've been justified. Justified. There's not one thing you can do to add any more to that. You can't get more justified as you get up. You can't go to more Bible studies or pray more, or you can't, you can't, I'll just stop drinking here or there. I'll stop doing this. You can't do that to get more justified. You either are justified or you're not. And the way you know that you're justified is there's fruit in your life. If there's no fruit in your life, I would say you need to check and see if you're justified or not. 
And if you're not justified, we need to get that right this morning. What it says, verse 5, for, the, for through the Spirit we eagerly wait by faith the righteousness for which we hope. And what I want to say to you this morning before we close, we eagerly wait. I want to ask you two questions. Have you responded to the message of the gospel? That's number one. Number two, are you eagerly waiting for the hope, for, the, for that which we hope for, which is Jesus, the return of Christ, the righteousness of God in flesh? Do you eagerly wait for that? Because there's two, that's two different questions. You, if, you've, if you've never responded to the gospel, we need to do that. If you're not eagerly waiting for the hope, which we, the righteousness that we hope for, that might be, there might be something there that you need to work on. And so this morning, I just want to give you an opportunity. I want to pray. And if you've never received Christ, if you've never said, Jesus, yes. I don't, I don't know you like I want to know. I know what this guy's talking about. I hear, I've heard this a thousand times, but I never surrendered to you. If, you. if you've never understood what surrender means, surrender means I'm dropping my weapons. I'm dropping my guards. I'm dropping my walls. I'm dropping my chains. I'm dropping my addictions. I'm dropping my hangups. I'm dropping all these things. I'm saying, Jesus, you have it all because I can't do this without you. You have it all because I've done this life my way for long enough and I've messed it up. Lord, you have it all. If you've never done that, this morning we want to walk with you through that and we want to pray with you in that. And we don't want to just walk with you today. We want to walk with you tomorrow and the next week. And we want to get you in some group and into a small group and get you growing in your relationship with Jesus. This is not something about converts. We want to do life together. And so that's for you this morning. If you've never said yes to Jesus, if you've never given all of your heart, we want to pray with you today. We want to, we want to get that right. So that's the one today. We just want to ask you to be bold and just lift up your hands so we can pray with you. Is there anybody here this morning? It's bold to ask. So I want to ask you to be bold to, to respond because God is calling us to respond. Is that anybody? Okay. The next thing is I want to just encourage you this week. What does it mean to eagerly wait by faith for the righteousness for which we hope? What's that mean? And am I doing it? That'll give, you some, that'll give you some information into, do I have a relationship with Jesus or not? Because if you have a relationship with Jesus, you're going to eagerly wait for his return. Because you read about him in scripture, and you're like, to heck with this world. Jesus, I want you. I want you. I want you. And you're waiting for him to return. If that's not where you're at this morning, get that right. Maybe you didn't raise your hand and you need to. Come talk to me after the service. But whatever you do today, don't leave here without responding because we all have, including me, something we need to respond to when it comes to the gospel. Can we agree with that? We all do. So don't leave here without responding. Don't leave here the same way you came. Let's be a church that's on the move, that's outreaching and not inwardly focused. Jesus loves you, man. <laughs> I do too. And so let's pray together and then we're gonna, we'll go our separate ways. Father, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for loving us enough to send your son Jesus, Father, for in our place. We thank you for that, that exchange of the crown for our ashes. We thank you for, Lord, the, the, what you're doing in this church. I thank you for the hearts that you're changing, for the lives that you're moving and molding, God. I pray this morning for the person who's far from you this morning, God. I pray that you would bring them close. God, I pray that they would not be able to stay away. I pray, God, that they would not be able to stay away from your presence, God. God, bring them in. 
God, speak to their hearts, reveal to their hearts, God, the, the places that you're calling to them to give. I pray for surrender to be something that describes our church, that we'll be a church that surrenders to you daily, hourly, minute by minute, Father, to see your kingdom come and your will be done in this place, Father, as we see it done in Scripture and as we see it done in heaven. God, I pray that you would come. You would come into this town. You would start a revival, Father. Revive, revive our hearts. God, put us in the place we need to be in place. God, we love you. God, we love you. We thank you, Father. We just ask all this in Jesus' name.